Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Athletic Cleveland Podcast. Zach Jackson, we're talking Browns today. Uh, just want to go over a couple of items. Uh, this is Wednesday morning. The Michael Kendricks news has just broken. I don't have any additional insight on that. Uh, it sounds serious. We will have to wait, though, uh, on the team in the league um, as far as his playing status. Generally, generally speaking, league discipline comes much later. Uh, what the team wants to do, what the feds want to do, what Michael Kendricks is mentally able to do, we will see. Uh, the other new news was the incident uh, at the home of David Njoku and Richard Higgins. It appears they're not involved. Uh, the Browns just need the preseason to end. I think Hard Knocks has been great, uh, but it's clear that it's a circus. It's clear discipline is an issue, and I'm not trying to single out those two incidents. I'm just saying from watching the show. So the Browns need to get past the Great Lakes Classic. They need to get past roster cuts, and they need to get to business because nothing's going to change until and unless they win games uh, that you can create. All the positive vibes, all the positive energy, bring in the new people. The only way to move past your past is to actually win games, so we'll see. So anyway, so we are uh, 30-ish hours from the Great Lakes Classic which means we are 72-ish hours from roster cuts. That won't be the end for the Browns because they will almost certainly be claiming people Sunday, possibly even into Monday. Uh, John Dorsey has proven that he's willing to make trades. Trades are back in the NFL. So it could be Monday or Tuesday before we have a finished version of the roster. And as you wait on Gordon's hamstring, Zeitler's calf, Coley's ankle, and Demarius Randall's knee, um, we'll see. Uh, so the first official injury report doesn't come out till a week from today. They'll obviously play that close to the vest, and we'll see. You want to be healthy. You want to have everybody. And specifically in the secondary, you need everybody when you're going to play the Steelers, especially a Steelers team. It's going to have Le'Veon Bell at, say, maybe 60% and is going to be passing. And we'll see. So here's what we're going to do on the podcast. Um, I just put out a player-by-player update. Uh, all 86 or 85 guys on the roster. I can't believe I did it either. Uh, on The Athletic, you can go check that out. In the last podcast, it kind of went position by position on where, where some of the guys stand. But I'm going to bring on Chris Burke, um, my cohort at The Athletic, who is a big draft guy, has, covers the Lions uh, on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. We're going to talk a little bit about the GLC's laughable history. We're going to talk a little bit about what, if anything, there is to watch on Thursday. And just what we think about the preseason. Um, the NFL has a preseason problem, guys. We know that. The fourth game doesn't matter. The first game doesn't matter. None of it matters. Uh, we saw a starting quarterback go down last week, clearly in pain, dislocate his finger, and Hugh Jackson put him in the game. It's absolutely unbelievable, and more so after what we saw in hard knocks. Uh, it's a sign the Browns offense really needs the work, and uh, they don't have much margin for error. they got to get ready. You are not going to beat the Saints or the Steelers 16-13. to The offense is going to have to score points, and the defense is going to have to put the offense in position to get a free touchdown or two uh, free points. Let's put it that way. So, really, we went over kind of the news-ish items of the week. We're going to get to see Baker Mayfield start. I think it's obviously important that he continues to play and progress. I refuse to uh, think that Hugh Jackson did the right thing by not giving him a single practice rep. Uh, throughout the summer with the number ones because he's going to be one snap from playing or, or one bad stretch, as we know, but, but officially one snap from playing with the number one starting in a week in games that count. And Hugh Jackson is just Hugh Jackson, so we'll see. Um, position battles, you know, uncertainty at receiver. Ratley seems in position to make the team. Janice hasn't done a thing. Uh, the Browns might still need outside help. 
Will Gordon be ready? He says he will be. We'll see there. They're really thin at tight end. There is no backup offensive line. They'd like to bolster the defensive line. And in the secondary, there are questions um, just with depth and with health. Who's going to be where? And then, of course, how are they going to play? How many guys are actually going to play? And how are you going to play these teams when the real games count? So we'll see. I don't think the uh, fourth preseason game is going to answer any of those. I would have liked to have seen the Browns scrimmage another team, I think, in today's NFL uh, you see those joint practices, those controlled scrimmages. I think you see a lot of teams doing it, and they get a lot out of it. Uh, Hugh didn't do it. We'll see. You know, is it a big picture thing that affects the Browns? It keeps them <coughs> maybe from winning two more games over the course of the year. I don't know. Does it make you more ready for Week One, given the circumstances you operate in with today's CBA? I think it does. I think it was a tactical mistake, and we will find out. But uh, there is optimism for this team. I think there is good energy, and it's certainly from a roster standpoint, which what what counts the most, more equipped to be competitive when the real games start and the real games are here. I'm trying to think of one other thing I want to see in this third preseason game. You know, I think at corner you have McKinnon, Rice, and Jordan, maybe for two spots, maybe only for one. Thomas is probably the guy left out there. We'll see what happens with Kendricks. We don't know how badly Jannard Avery has hurt, if he'll be back for week one. But that's a guy that's a really impressive rookie that's played his way at least part-time into the plans and maybe more as it goes. Gosh, you'd love to have Kendricks and Avery. Then you have linebacker depth you haven't had uh, before, so we will see. Miles Garrett looks unbelievable, and the Browns can score points, and Miles can stay healthy, and they can play from ahead, and he can tee off on passers. Then this guy is sitting on a big season and a big career. Uh, concerned about the offensive line, going to go through the whole preseason without taking a single snap uh, at full speed as a unit and playing against the Steelers. You can run the ball on the Steelers, sure, but you still got to block those big, nasty guys up front to it. Uh, Hayward, those guys are legit. So we will see what happens. Anyway, let's bring in Chris Burke. Let's talk GLC. Let's talk Browns-Lions and move on. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for staying on me in the tweet mentions to do these. It's just hard during training camp. There's nowhere in Berea that I can podcast. Uh, The days are long, the hours are strange. So as we get into a regular season routine, and as we think the Browns are going to have a real season, I'll try to have someone on each week to talk about the opponent. We'll have Dustin on from time to time, go over his breakdowns, go over what he sees, and have all sorts of people on as we keep talking Browns. Genuine excitement for September 9th right here and everywhere. I think the stadium on that Sunday morning and afternoon is going to be, as the cool kids say, lit. I'm pumped. Let's talk Lions with Chris Burke. All right, as promised, I bring in one of my smartest and sharpest compadres. He is Chris Burke. He covers the Lions for The Athletic in Detroit. He's been on this podcast before. Uh, He's been at The Athletic. How long now, Chris? Uh, Almost one year. I started week two last regular season, so getting there. (laughs) Getting there, yeah. So so first training camp uh, doing this, and it's coming to an end. Um, You know, the Lions and Browns are in – uh, different places, but let's we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, and before we totally get into laughing about the GLC and the Barge trophies and all of that, like how what has been missing? How in the world could the NFL really go without a Detroit Cleveland preseason game, given the proximity, <laughs> the ridiculousness of the preseason? Like how in the hell has this been missed the past few years? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty uh, disappointing they haven't been doing it. I, Detroit's got these weird preseason rivalries Cleveland's I mean Cleveland's an easy one like you said because it's close they've also played Buffalo like every year for the past 
uh, however many years, and that's off the schedule this year. That was a big deal that they're not playing Buffalo because they play them in the regular season. And I don't know why uh, Detroit's gotten kind of stuck in these these preseason rivalries that get uh, this weird buildup. But, yeah, uh, glad to see the Browns uh, Browns back on the slate for the preseason finale here. At least, uh, I don't know if it counts as something to play for or not, but I guess technically there's something to play for. Do you drive through Ohio or Canada to get from Detroit to Buffalo? Uh, I'm going to try and drive. They play. I'm planning to drive it when I cover the game this year because they play at Buffalo, and I was going to go up through Canada, but um, – it's an early December game, so it's a little TBD. If I'm gonna <laughs> figure it out later, I don't know what the weather is gonna let me go sure. go that northern route. But uh, although it's not that pleasant going through, going you know, getting some of that lake effect snow going south either. So no, uh, I'm one not of the sure. Nastiest, I... Yeah, one of the nastiest driving experiences of my life was on I-90 in Erie on the way to a game in Buffalo. So it's not <laughs> uh, any different that way. That is for sure. Um, Chris here in Cleveland, and I remember it because I worked for the team at the time uh, when they introduced the Great Lakes Classic. Carmen Policy was gung-ho about it to the point that he was actually exploring if there was a way they could go on the water from Cleveland to Detroit. He really thought that there was. They wanted to make this a thing. And I think we laugh about it now. I think it was partly the team was new. They were looking for something to make their own because unfortunately, you know, 20 years into it, everything the Browns have is still from the old old team. They have nothing to call their own. But... um, you know, making it a rivalry made it it fun. Uh, the Browns and Lions, obviously, at that time especially, were both going through their struggles, so the preseason meant more to the fans. And I remember one game in particular uh, at Ford Field, Charlie Fry throws it up, and Braylon Edwards goes and gets it. And Charlie's from Northwest Ohio, and Braylon obviously played at Michigan, and so that, that had personal meaning, and it was like, okay, we brought home the barge. So uh, do you have any personal Great Lakes Classic memories? I don't, and I don't know if that <laughs> speaks to the significance of this trophy at all. Um, I remember sort of, like you were saying, sort of when it started up and, and kind of the introduction of it. Um, and then uh, as we were just talking about, I kind of remember people being disappointed when this game was off the schedule because, I mean, it it's ridiculous, but it is kind of a, you know, kitschy little thing, a uh, little competition. There's always the the Michigan-Ohio rivalry. So, you know, there, it's a little fun to have that yes. on the side, but I – I was talking yesterday in the um, trying to remember when we were at the Lions media availability yesterday, if they ever did, I don't remember them ever really doing like a presentation on the field or anything, <laughs> giving away the trophy. You know, it's not like when they, you know, the winning team runs over to the other sideline and hoists it up and runs off with it. So, um, and I, I think we had a story uh, up on our site from Ty Schalter about the sort of the history of it. And I think each team now has one because yes. they didn't want to keep lugging it back and forth between <laughs> venues. So there are two barges. And I remember one time I was not, in the Browns, uh... <laughs> I was in the Browns copy room and fax room. And, and I turned around looking for somewhere to stack the papers that had already come through. And I just used the barge. It was in there collecting dust. So the, <laughs> the luster of it um, kind of wore off really quickly um just you know one last thing on the preseason everybody has their ideas and what you're going to do it's just I, I understand when the rams play baltimore and the colts play the niners like not everybody has geographic and somebody's going to have to bite the bullet but baltimore should play philly and should play washington right and the browns in detroit should play every single year it's just it's it's not that hard to figure out it, it just bothers me uh to a little bit so let me ask you this chris what do you see as the future of the preseason? Do you think it will stay as is? 
And do you have any personal ideas on, um, you know, how to fix it or alter it uh, if the NFL would be open to that? Yeah, I mean, I think for starters, you're right. The schedule is kind of ridiculous the way they make teams travel. And I, like the Lions turned their trip to Oakland into, you know, a week of practices, which I, probably eases it a little bit and at least lets you get a different look into training camp. And I know that they like doing that. Matt Patricia likes doing that. So I assume they'll be traveling somewhere again next year. But yeah, I mean, I think geographically there's a lot easier way to do this, um, especially for the teams that aren't out West, uh, just to sort of let guys, you know, do an overnight trip, go up by the night, night before play and come back and, and sort of save the wear and tear on everyone. So I think that that probably one thing they, they should be looking at. I mean, I think it, it's got to be shortened. I think they've got to go down to at, at least three games and, and save one of those weeks. Four is way too much. And we know what this fourth week of the preseason is, especially now that rosters don't have to be cut uh, until after the fourth game. I mean, you're talking about it. the majority of the guys that are going to be out there on Thursday night are guys who are not going to be on either the Browns or the Lions roster. So there's only so much point in having this game at all so I think I mean ideally I, I think a two-game preseason would be great I think three is probably more realistic just from uh, a financial standpoint of it in the NFL yeah I agree I mean each team gets the one home game which you know appeases the owners and then you play a neutral site game so you keep the Hall of Fame game alive you know you allow um, teams to travel and practice together and do that I think that's what makes the most sense now we know the, the dollar wins over common sense so we'll see but it's just rather obvious to me um from a lion standpoint chris um you know obviously every team has bubble guys and then starters aren't going to play you know just what stands out and what they're actually trying to accomplish or maybe learn more about heading into this game yeah well i mean we talked right before we started about this michael kendrick situation in cleveland (laughs) we'll see how that unfolds the lions had their own sort of weird situation this week they signed robert ayers and everyone thought that was going to be a big boost uh, to their pass rush, their defensive line, that's maybe their weakest area on the team. And he went to one practice and wasn't there for the second practice, and they then he was caught the 24 hours. So I don't, you know, I've gotten some conflicting stories on what actually happened, trying to still figure out exactly whether it was an injury or he just changed his mind or what happened. But um, clearly they, they that's their biggest problem, I think, right now, is up front, that front seven on defense is, an issue for them. So I think they might, you might see some of the, I don't know that you'll see, you probably won't see Ziggy Ansa or um, maybe Devon Kennard, but I think you'll see some of those second and third tier pass rushers. Cause they got to figure out what's happening uh, with that group. And, you know, the guy on offense, everyone's sort of curious about is still Amir Abdul. It feels like he's been a trade candidate for two years now. Um, I don't know if they're going to actually trade him, but I, I would expect him to get a decent amount of looks in that game just to, either boost his value or see if they really want to hold on to him. Right. Uh, the Browns have four corners uh, for two spots. I really think it's three. The only reason I say four is that one of them is a six-round draft pick, Simeon Thomas, although I think he was always kind of pegged for the practice squad. So so who are the receivers um, that they'll be going against from the Lions, and, and will it be Castle or will it be Rudock throwing most of the passes? I think they'll probably split – uh, and it's been Castle's been first up most of the time. So if they stay on that schedule, it'd be Castle in the first half and Rudock in the second half. And I guess you kind of read into that what you will about the backup quarterback battle. Um, maybe they switch it around just to get Rudock a few more looks early. But um, I, that's the way they've been going. Castle one and then uh, Rudock. 
Um, at wide receiver, I mean, again, I, I would assume Marvin Jones doesn't play. Probably Golden Tate doesn't play. Maybe Kenny Galladay. So you're into those guys that are trying to make the roster. There are some interesting players there. I mean, Brandon Powell's been really, really good for Detroit in the slot. He's, I mean, if he doesn't make the roster, he's probably going to be guy number 54. Uh, I think they're just have to figure out how many receivers they want to keep and if they can justify another slot guy when they already have uh, Golden Tate and they have Theo Riddick who can kick out and play there a little bit. Um, Theo Redding, Chris Lacey, they've got a couple bigger guys that can play on the outside. They don't, uh, they're not great route runners, but they're guys that have, you know, stretch the field uh, vertically and go up and make some tough catches in contested spots. Matt Castle and Jake Rudock haven't been throwing downfield at all, so I don't know how much the cornerbacks are going to be tested. They've mostly been testing the linebackers and safeties with, you know, five and six yard routes. So, um, Hopefully the Browns aren't waiting on this game to really find out what they have at cornerback because I don't yeah. know that they're going to see a lot of one-on-one matchups outside. Uh, the tight end, Michael Roberts, he's a Cleveland kid, and he was drafted, what, a year ago to be in the plans. But from what I've read, he hasn't had a strong camp. So where do you think he stands? I mean, I still think he's going to be with this team moving forward. I know a couple of the other beat writers around Detroit have him out on their latest roster projections. I think he's still safe just because like you said, he was a fourth round pick last year. I don't think they're going to bail on him. They don't have um, any tight end signed beyond this year. They brought in Luke Wilson on a one year deal, uh, Levine Toilolo on a one year deal. So, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure out their future there. I think he probably sticks around. He's been still working with the first team offense, at least during walkthroughs and kind of early in these preseason games. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. He hasn't done really anything. It's been a bad camp for him. He's kind of banged up right at the start, missed a couple practices, uh, hasn't made any memorable catches. I think he's only got a handful of catches for the preseason as it is. So I actually think he might get um, a decent amount of run on Thursday just to because Wilson's been banged up. I think they'll probably rest him. I think we might see Roberts early and try and get him a few looks in the passing game just to see if, uh, if he can deliver anything, because it has been kind of a rough few weeks for him. Well, the Browns have an interesting strategy for covering tight ends. They just don't <laughs> cover them at all. So it would be a night for him to to get going and and, <clears throat> and get on track. Uh, first year with Matt Patricia, like just what kind of camp has it been? What kind of vibe is around the Lions right now? It's definitely different than it was uh, with Jim Caldwell. You know, Patricia's a lot more uh, in your face in practices. I mean, he's right in there and, and sort of leading been very active in in those one-on-one you know offensive line defensive line drills and really in there uh with the cornerback wide receiver one-on-one so you know he's the guy that wants to be hands-on and uh especially with the defense and with the lines he he's he's a guy that you know wants to have his voice heard by every player that's out there so uh, very intense they've gone every practice is sort of maxed out the allotted time they've had for it um and I think it's a very structured schedule for the players. I mean, this is a t- the weekend where some of these veterans, you know, wouldn't play on Thursday. Uh, as far as we know right now, there's not going to be any practice, at least Friday, Saturday. You know, this is a type of weekend where a lot of guys would, would get away. And I think a couple might try to sneak out to the Michigan-Notre Dame game Saturday night, but that's about it. Everyone else was saying, you know, no, we got to be here for, for meetings or to lift weights or whatever. So it's – uh. I think there's a lot less sort of free time than there was maybe uh, under Jim Caldwell. Very structured. You know, all the things you would think of with sure. that uh, quote-unquote Patriot way uh, have made their way to to Detroit now. Right. Well, same deal with the Browns. None of I can't say none of the starters are going to play. The rookie offensive lineman might play. 
Uh, Rashard Higgins might play a little bit. Um, some of the young defensive linemen will play. but So it's going to be the backups. But outside of Baker Mayfield, do you have any personal curiosity with the Browns heading into tomorrow? Is, uh, is Darren Fells going to get any looks? I would, I would say not. Uh, they are so <laughs> thin at tight end, and he's 30-plus years old. I, I would say that he will be standing on the sideline. All right. Well, so much for the uh, revenge game for Darren <laughs> Fells, I guess. Um, I mean, I think the other guy that people are probably very interested to see beyond Baker Mayfield is probably Brogan Robach coming back. Um, yeah. You know, the Eastern Michigan product and uh, the Hard Knocks legend, I guess. I don't know what you want to call him, but made the little Hard Knocks cameo. Um, but he he was always kind of an interesting guy in college. It always, always played like he was going to get uh, at least a look in the NFL. You know, it's probably... His time in Cleveland, I think, is probably running short, I would imagine. But, um, you know, he had a good college career for a really crummy program. I uh, <laughs> yeah. I had tried to set up uh, set up something with their athletic department there for the uh, for their pro day. And um, I sent an email. I said, I'd like to do something on, on Brogan. You know, let me know what I need to do about credentials. And uh, PR guy wrote back, no one's ever asked to be credentialed for our pro day. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the that's the program he's coming from, um, which it's been turned, you know, it's a lot better in recent years. But uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of cool to see yeah. uh, that Eastern Michigan product uh, gets chances. So well, that's he's the guy definitely, I'm interested. You know, he's definitely not making the team, Chris, but he's got a chance to be on the practice squad because you have sure. you have Tyrod as the starter. You have Baker being Baker. And then you have Drew Stanton, who's the tutor. Drew Stanton is not going to run the scout team. So they're going to need a, a fourth quarterback on the practice squad to run the scout team. So whether that's rowback or they go get someone better, we will see, but it's, it's not going to be Stanton. So, and, and Stanton also <laughs> won't play tomorrow. So that homecoming angle is also out the window. Yeah. Well, rowback, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. The always, these guys somehow, you know, it, it sort of helps to see guys live and the lions absolutely need a young quarterback to stash on their practice squad. So I think it's possible, you know, if the Browns end up not wanting him and he plays all right tomorrow, uh, maybe the Lions circle back and give give him a look too. Uh, once this is all said and done, yeah, you know that that is interesting because so many times you know we just m- dismiss these guys as they can't play because we know it's so hard to develop quarterbacks and the line is so much. But there are a handful of teams just off the top of my head around the league that are probably looking to upgrade, and the Lions certainly would be on that list. So it will be interesting because you go through the whole camp. You don't want to teach a guy right in a couple of weeks the system, but. If you really think that Matt Castle and Jake Rudock can't do it, then you have to be in that market. And this is the first time in decades that the Browns haven't been where the Lions are <laughs> right. this weekend. Right. Yeah. And uh, I guess the other how's uh, the other guy Lions fans have heard a lot about over the years because he was always supposed to be uh, better than he he actually turned out to be was Jeff Janis with the Packers. Oh, the legend of Jeff Janis there. He People is, waiting for him to blow up. How's he look? He has done absolutely nothing in Kansas. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, like like mystifying so he he missed some time early and it was like well when that happened everybody was like oh shit because gordon wasn't there um you know higgins had not really emerged and everybody knew that he's had been a you know somewhat productive in the past he had had few opportunities but because alonzo highsmith and elliot wolf were here everybody put him on the roster so i still have him on the bubble because Mm -hmm. they brought him here to play special teams because he has played but you know it's hard i mean he he has done nothing Nothing at all. So uh, it will be interesting to see that there. Last thing, Chris, uh, you you made it sound like you've been watching Hard Knocks. So I'm interested on an outsider's perspective because I obviously watch it a lot differently than most people do. I mean, I think this has been 
some of the seasons have been pretty boring. Um, and I think this has been maybe the best one. It's certainly one of the better ones. And I, you know, a lot of that is just kind of, it's, and you're there all the time. So I'm sure you have a better feel for it, but just, it comes across on TV as such a weird dynamic in that coaching staff between Hugh and everyone else, really. Um, and it's kind of fascinating to watch uh, just how that plays out on a, on a day-to-day basis. But I also think, you know, this is a, they got the Browns on a great year just because of, I mean, it's a fun, it looks like a fun group and Baker Mayfield obviously adds a ton to it, but you know, they, they, this is a good year to be in Cleveland because they, you should be the arrow should be pointing up at least relative to where it's been, and I think you can sense the the optimism uh, through the show. So you know whether they're still optimistic after the camera stop and it's September and October, I don't know. But um, <laughs> right now it feels like uh, there's some good vibes down there. Yeah, uh, it is a different feel and it's a different look. I, I tell people, Chris, no sarcasm, no BS. They look like a real NFL team. That's progress. But, but <laughs> when I when I watch Hard Knocks, Hugh couldn't inspire me to get up and get another beer, and I mean that. So we will see because we know what's hanging over this team. And then uh, obviously the Browns and Lions are going to go their separate ways. They played last year and won't play again for four years. But the Lions open up on Monday night with the Jets, and then the Jets three games in ten days come to Cleveland. Uh, week three for a national TV game, and we know the Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield thing. It's not just going to be a three-week thing. It's going to be a three-year, maybe a ten-year thing. So that's kind of the one tie. So, you know, I think people will watch. You know, obviously college football starts, and last year people didn't watch because Ohio State played on this night. But sure. people will watch because of Baker Mayfield. Um, because there are, you know, the Browns are still a young enough team that there are guys – there are a lot of jobs unsettled. I, I, I go into the weekend, Chris, not expecting a blockbuster, but when you have a new GM and a team coming off one and thirty-one, like there's not a whole lot of super safe, super untouchable guys. So it will be interesting, and we appreciate your insight. So thanks for joining us here on the Athletic Cleveland Podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you in the press box tomorrow. Look forward to catching up with you guys either this weekend or early next week as we go over the roster and the Steelers. So Chris, thanks for joining us. All you guys, thanks for listening.